because Malachi was like the prophetic voice of that particular season of time. And so on the one hand, you see Nehemiah as this great, you know, kind of, you might even say, apostolic builder. And on the other side, you have Malachi, who is this prophetic voice uh, to the people. And so when you hold them side by side, you get a really good understanding of what was going on at the time. And so in Nehemiah 1, we saw... We see this man of, of great prayer, great conviction, and a burning heart to do whatever it takes to see his city restored. And then Malachi is that prophetic voice of justice that's just crying out. I see, I believe right now that God is looking for a prayerful people, full of conviction, and a burning heart to do whatever it takes to see his kingdom come, to see God's justice prevail. Amen? Amen? And see, as of right now, just locally, you know, I believe the Lord's put uh, for us, before us, three corporate actions. You know, because a lot of times churches are notorious for t saying grandiose things, but have no real action as to how to get, get from A to B. Amen? And so what we wanted to do in this series is actually give some clear action from A to B. You know, that these are the corporate actions that we think God is uh, leading us into. The first corporate action is this. We believe that God is setting the stage for us to actually build a new building that's going to house the ministry that He's given us. This building will be a training center for the equipping of disciples. This, this new facility will help us be able to, you know, be readily equipped to do weddings and, and funerals and and all other kinds of major community life events. Amen? And so, and so uh, God is expanding us in that way. We're going to be a resource center to see lots of equipping take place. Here's the second corporate action. And you saw Jason give just a, a little commercial briefly ago about this. But we believe that God is calling us to dive into his word like never before. And I really wanted us to do this as a church community. You know, in Nehemiah, you see the people returning to a place of covenant. What a great way for the people of God to return to covenant than to actually return and read the new covenant. You know, read what the story is all about. And as we saw that last week, when, when the people for the first time, and for some of them, never heard the word of God before, and they began to read the word of God. Ezra the priest, y'all remember this from last week? Okay, Ezra the priest stood up and word, read the word of God. Uh, and It's in the Nehemiah chapter 8, by the way. We talked about that, and so, and so as he read the word, and people are actually hearing the word for the first time. Ancient Israelites are hearing the word of God for the first time. I find that profound a little bit. This is the first time that they're actually hearing, and they begin to weep, and they return to the Lord. And, and so for us, we wanted to do this Bible project that we're going to read through the New Testament in one year. And, uh, and so the way to sign up is you can go online to our website, and Jason had that commercial for all of that, and it'll tell you how to load it on your phone or load it on your computer or all that kind of stuff. It'll be amazing. Amen? And so that's the, so you, there'll be more details to come on that. But the third corporate action is we are beginning our Wednesday night ministry. It is a purposeful, intentional action of building up the walls in our life. And so uh, it was, we talked about the eight streams of ministry, and it has to do with biblical foundations. It has to do with marriage, parenting, kids, the whole onslaught, okay? Well, we're going to get to more of that here in just a minute. 
But the purpose is, is that as we build in these key areas, it actually positions our heart to receive that, that revival and renewal of the Holy Spirit that we're crying out for. Amen? And so these are the corporate actions. And so, all of which, you know, at the beginning of this season, you remember back in March when all crazy broke loose? You know, the whole pandemic thing kind of ruined a lot of things. Y'all remember that? If you've forgotten that, teach us, you know. But anyhow, but at the beginning of that season, the Lord gave me this word about, it was three words, plant, build, grow. How many of you know that in a season of great confusion and darkness, the knee-jerk reaction is to hide, hoard, withdraw, run? Right? But in the, the kingdom of God is so counterintuitive to what we would normally do. And so the Lord is saying plant, build, and grow. See, God is calling his people to advance and advance and advance like never before. Amen. And so how do we advance? What does even advancing look like? What does it mean to partner with God and advance and to build and to grow and to plant? And What does that even mean? Well, that's what we're diving into today. We're, it's, and the title of today's message is The Sword and the Trial. The Sword and the Trial. So here we are, Nehemiah chapter 4, starting with verse 13. Therefore I position men behind the lower parts of the wall at the opening. And I set the people according to families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord great and awesome and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Now verse 17. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other hand they held a weapon. A trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. They were to fight, be ready to fight with one hand but focused on building with the other. Amen? Let's pray. So Father, right now I just ask God that you open up our minds and hearts, Lord, and, and just prepare us to receive the message that you have for us today, God. Lord God, I ask, Father, for just an absolute um, openness of mind and heart to the move of your spirit, Lord. Lord, proclaim, Lord, today that today be a day of great freedom and renewal and hope. In Jesus' name, amen. My grandfather, he grew up in the, in the Great Depression, fought in World War II, and he was left-handed. Now, in that, in that day, being left-handed, it was really looked down upon that, in that particular era. And so they would not allow him to write with his left hand, which would have been natural. They forced him to write with his right hand. Now, as, as he grew up and learned and developed the skill necessary to write with his right hand, and now me, I'm right-handed, I cannot imagine trying to write with my left hand. But because of the day and age that it was, 
that you better write with your right hand. Why? Because it's right. You write with the right, and the right is just right. I mean, you know. But what happened was, over time, he became ambidextrous, okay? That he was just as skilled with one hand as he was the other. Now, here is the other thing about my grandfather. He was an amazing baseball player. And so because of the training that he went through, he, not only could he bat with the left, he could bat with the right. And so he was like a double threat. You know, so who knew, what, who knew how he was going to stand in the batter's box at that particular time? Now, my grandfather, according to uh, what I've been told uh, at that particular day and age, is that he was good enough to probably get into the majors. Now, but because of World War II, it never happened. But the reality was, though, because of the imposed training on his life, because of the training on his life, he was able to use both hands, the right and the left. He was just as skilled as with one as with the other. See, here's the thing. We all are born with a natural talent. Right? God, see, when God, Christ ascended, he gave gifts to men. So just because you have breath today, you gifted. Look how gifted you are. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you're gifted. If you work at it, you'll be as gifted as me. You know, like, just, you, know you can tell them that too. But here's, here's the thing. But here's the thing. You came gifted. That's how you came into the earth. But when you add training to your gift, your threat level goes to a new place. See, when you add skill, when you add training to that which even God has gifted you, your threat level goes to a whole new place. Amen? Am I, is this making sense? Right. Okay, so here's the deal. Individually, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, dude, you're awesome. Just nuzzle up to your neighbor. You're awesome. You're awesome right? See, you're awesome, right? Individually, you're awesome, but who you are together when you're willing to labor in the word together, when you're in community together, when you're ready to grow in your faith, when you're in a life group and it's intentional, it's in focus, you're going to hammer out new skills, your threat level as a member of the body of Christ it goes to a whole new level. You know, in Zechariah chapter 12, there's a prophecy about the local church. In Zechariah chapter 12, that prophecy about the local church says this, that the weakest among you is like David. And if I've heard any, if I've ever heard this, ever, I've heard people say this a thousand times. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like David. I just have, I'm just a man after God's own heart. That's just who I am. You know, I've heard people say that. You want to be David. But, and then this is what the prophecy says, but the house, in other words, who you are together is like God. You can just chew on that for a while. See, who you are as an individual is like David, brother, you are awesome. But who you are together is like God. So this is what Nehemiah does. He's, he stations families as groups, as families in the gap. 
And they're stationed in those gaps. And they have a weapon in one hand and a trowel in the other. They're ready to fight. And they're focused on building as a family. So on the one hand, they're ready to fight. They're ready to throw down. But on the other hand, they're going to build. We are called to be warrior builders. You are called to be a warrior builder. You know, when Nehemiah first gets to town, comes to Jerusalem, he's got the favor of king, of the Persian king, Artaxerxes, all over him. He, you know, he was a cupbearer to the king, and he strolls into town. He's large and in charge, man. You would think that word would have got, got around, oh, this is the cupbearer to the king. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my. You know, oh, it's so awesome. It's, well, it's total influence, man of influence. Can't wait to work with him. Get to know him. You would think that would be the case. But it wasn't. He had all the favor. He had all the resources. And you would think that coming to town with the favor of the king who rules over all, that people would just get out of the way and let you do whatever you wanted to do. But here's the thing. But when he had powerful people, powerful individuals that did not like his plan, there were powerful people that did not like his agenda. And so as a result of the great favor of God that was on his life, he ran into massive resistance. See, many Christians believe that whenever, when they've stepped out, that somehow that they have lost God's favor because resistance came into their life. I want you to know today that your favor will draw Satan's fire. So just because you're being resisted doesn't mean... God has left the building. Amen? See, that favor actually inspires Satan to go at you. Check this out. They rebuilt the wall in 52 days. Doesn't that sound like favor? They were attacked every step of the way. So they, have, they were walking in God's favor and drawing fire all at the same time. Both were happening. Now check this out in verse 1 of chapter 4. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that there were they were that they were we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he joined the party, and he said, Whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break it down their stone wall. A lot of trash talk going on. And so here we meet Nehemiah's Chief opponent right here, Sanballat. You see, he was the leader of the Samaritan army. 
I see in the Samaritans hated Jews, right? Because Samaritans were half Jew, half Gentile, and there was a lot of racism going on between those two groups. You know what Sanballat's name means? Sin gave life. Don't name your kid Sanballat, I'm just telling you, okay? <laughs> Sanballat actually means, or represents a demonic horde that resists everything that God wants to build in your life. Now you remember, we said at the first part, part one, Nehemiah is actually an old covenant picture of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. And so Nehemiah comes along and wants to rebuild the walls. Holy Spirit wants to build the walls in your life. Well, what happens? The demonic horde doesn't want anything to be built in your life. So from that place of hate, anger, and rage, Sanballat begins to mock. Humiliate. He attacks with words. Now here's the deal. Older generation taught me, and I imagine taught many of you, this simple little phrase. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. Right? Now here's, here's the thing. We, we got smart. We got intelligent. We said, you know what? Words, words hurt and they're powerful. And you know what? You're correct. You're actually politically correct. But see, we missed the lesson from the older generation. We missed it. The lesson was don't let the words of an enemy hurt you. Don't let the words of an enemy shape you, define you, limit you, intimidate you. That was the lesson from the older generation. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but buddy, you better get over it. You better get over those words. You better tune into what God is saying about you. You better establish yourself in what God says about you. Part of the politically correct generation is that we can't stand it when someone says mean words. And so there was Sanballat with his mean words. See, when you set out to build with God to build what he is building, you can expect to some degree mockery. Be strong. You remember that other fella, Sam Ballot's sad kick, Tobiah the Ammonite? Check this out. Tobiah, his name means goodness of God. Okay? Ammonite means inbred. Okay? This is the prophetic picture of a false religious spirit. Not not really born of God, just a religious groupie. The mocking of a religious heart. They don't have God's heart. They mock your strength. They mock your efforts. They mock your attempts. Well, that's not how we do it around here. What's the matter with you? Nobody's going to hear what you have to say. Anybody ever experienced that? See, religious shame brings confusion, zaps your strength, 
does all it can do to stop the work of God in your life. Am I, am I talking to anybody on that? Now go back a little bit. Sam Ballot, he asks questions. And part of his tormenting plan was to ask questions. His questions were meant to create doubt. In a sense, they were like rhetorical questions to, to cause confusion into people. And remember what he says, what are these feeble Jews doing? You know what? We might be feeble, but I'm working. Will they fortify themselves? Yep, with God's help, we're going to fortify ourselves. Will they offer sacrifices? I'm going to worship like there's no tomorrow. You better believe we're going to have sacrifices. Will they complete it in a day? No, but I'm working a plan. I'm, I'm in God's process and with God's favor it's going to come to completion. Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? All of these questions were meant to create doubt and create them, bring them to a place of, of that their heart would fail in what they're trying to build. Now, this is interesting, this part right here about the stones. The stones that had been burned. You know what those were? Those stones represented other times that they tried to build. Other, time, other attempts that they had made at trying to build what God was building and then fail. It's like previous attempts that they were going to take these burned stones where I tried and I failed and I tried and I failed. And so that demon's question says, will they revive those stones from heaps of rubbish? So the question is like this, can these stones be revived? Can revival come on these stones? Can revival come on what's fallen down and been broken? Can a healing revival come on a wounded marriage and a broken family? So you can turn these questions right back on the enemy. Can freedom come on your life? Can a revival of the fire of the Holy Spirit come on your life? Can what the enemy meant for destruction be your launch pad into your future? You see, we can answer those questions with an overwhelming yes. Yes, there can be a revival in our marriages, right? It's interesting to see how Nehemiah responds to these attacks. All these verbal attacks at them. Look at verse 4. First four words out of his mouth. Hear, O our God. For we are despised. Turn their reproach on their heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. What does he do? He goes to the place of prayer. To the mockery, to the demonic doubts, to the religious shaming. Nehemiah says, hear, O our God. And then he declares with authority, turn their reproach back on their own heads. Get those sorry devils, God, in other words. See, there's times... In prayer where we come before the Lord and we make our requests, we make our petitions before the Lord. 
But then there are also times to stand in warfare prayer, stand in the authority that God gave you when you're under attack. See, sometimes when you're under attack, the best thing you could ever do is stand. That's Ephesians 6, by the way. See, you don't negotiate with demonic lies. That's our, that's our policy. We don't negotiate with terrorists, right? We don't negotiate with them. See, we must resolve to go to war in prayer. Verse 6. Now, after they ask, so he goes to that place of, of warfare prayer. Verse 6. This is what happens next. So we kept on building. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. How many of you understand that spiritual warfare, the battleground of spiritual warfare is right up here? It's in your mind. What The enemy wants to do whatever he can do to create doubt in your life. And see, here's what, here's what I want you to see. Nehemiah's prayer created a shift, so to speak, in the atmosphere. Clarity of mind came, and the people had a mind to work. The people had their minds made up. You see, I think, really, the battlefield of the mind, we win here when we're practicing prayer. Our prayer life has the ability to level all of those doubts, to level all of those insecurities. Amen? Verse 7. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites, what a name. Anyways heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed and they became very angry and then and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion see they won one battle they won the battle of the words now here comes the enemy with his counterattack and their plan is that their attack would create confusion you know what the book of James calls confusion? Demonic wisdom. See, his first attempt was to create doubt. Now he's after confusion. How many of you have ever tried to restore and rebuild something in your marriage only to be uh, find yourself in a place of confusion? Well, you said, no, you said... You're trying to do something in your finances, trying to get ahead in your finances, and then confusion. You're trying to get ahead in, in whatever else it is, and then you're met with confusion. Well, what do I do now? You try to discipline your kids, and now you're confused about the process. Aim here. That's clarity right there. <laughs> But how many of you just have ever had this experience of trying to move forward and then you're confused about your next step? Yeah. 
It is a tactic of the enemy to bring confusion to your life. If you're confused today, you need to have this assurance. God is trying to build something and the enemies can resist what God's trying to build in your life. So if you're confused today, rejoice. <laughs> because God's up to something in your life. And so that was, that was Sanballat's plan. They were going to attack to try to bring confusion in verse 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. And I like this, nevertheless. How many of you have ever had your kids say, whatever? <laughs> this is kind of your spiritual whatever. This is, this is, this is Nehemiah's nevertheless all this noise, all this enemy's talk, all of this confusion, Nehemiah says, nevertheless, whatever, whatever, devil, whatever doubt, regardless, be that as it may, we made our prayer. We were resolute in prayer. We made our prayer. The battle is not against flesh and blood, right? All the more reason that we learn to fight in prayer. And then they took practical action. They stationed watchmen on the wall. I believe that we're all called to prayer, but I also believe that there's also people who are called as prophetic intercessors the watchmen that are to be set along the wall, we, we need people like that in our life to hear with the voice of the Lord and to give us the report of the Lord. Amen? That's what a watchman was. We are called to be warrior builders. Now, back to verse 13. Therefore I position men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Verse 17, Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked construction and the other hand they held a weapon. Warrior builders. And for the most part, what we've seen to this point, the way we war is through the Spirit and through prayer, right? That's what, we're, what we war with, but what is it that we're actually trying to build? Well, Malachi prophetically speaks to it, and I'm going to go pretty fast through these. Here's what, what the Lord was trying to build in that day, and I think he's still trying to build this day. The first thing that he's trying to build is biblical foundations. Malachi 2, 7. And remember I said Malachi has this recipe pattern of revival, right? Malachi 2, 7. For the lips of the priest should keep knowledge, 
and people should seek the law from his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Biblical foundations is what God is building, wants to build in you. Number two, marriage and parenting. God wants to build marriages. God wants to build skills in parenting, right? Malachi 2, 14. The Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Malachi 4, 6. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Here's the third area that God wants to build. Money. Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes to the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Here's the fourth thing God would like to build into your life. Freedom. Malachi 3.2, but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears for he will be like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. God wants to bring freedom into your life. Here's the fifth thing he wants to build in your life. He wants to take you deeper with the Holy Spirit. Malachi 4, 2. But you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. See, that's a, that right there is a picture of salvation, healing, and deliverance. That's the full mill deal gospel right there, right? And he wants to work healing and trample and bring about deliverance through your prayers for others. Number six, student ministries. Malachi 4, 6, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. See, the children have a responsibility here too, right? Men and women. Malachi 3, 3. He will set as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. See, God wants to present the men and women of his kingdom as gold and silver, having been purified. Number 8, outreach and missions. Malachi 1, 11. For from the rising of the sun, even till it's going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. Now, if you've been here for the other parts of this series, what I just listed to you, these eight things are the eight strands of ministry that I believe God has called us to labor in. Isn't that cool? Malachi gives voice to what is to be built. See, Malachi is that prophetic voice gives us picture, symbol, and type as to what we are to build today. Malachi was that inspirational builder. Amen? So here's the deal. If you want to partner with God and what he is building and what he wants to build in you, I would encourage you to find a life group. Youth, go to youth. Parents, bring the kids. Food is provided. Hallelujah, right? God is a builder. And God builds with sons and daughters. And so this Wednesday, we get an opportunity to all partner together to work and to build what God is building. And so we've got four different groups listed. There's, there's marriage, money, freedom, and biblical foundations. Those four groups are listed. I would encourage you to pick up a life group directory and figure out how you can partner together during this particular season of time. 
Because I'm telling you, who you are as an individual is awesome. But when you come together in partnership with another and to begin to get developed in your skill, you're like a ninja warrior then. We went from awesome to ninja in a hurry. But I also know sometimes, too, that the Wednesday nights don't work. And so this Bible project that we're going through actually has a place where you can be a part of, of an online discussion group thingy-dilly that Jason and maybe Aaron will have to de uh, describe to you. But there is a group that you can participate in just through whenever you decide to read through the word in an ear, y'all can partner together. Matter of fact, by the way, families, your first life group is at your home. And you, and you can have life group at home. You can read the word together. Wouldn't that be awesome? Amen? And that little noise reminded me that the, that Bible app will even read it to you. So, I mean. <laughs> There's a lot to celebrate in this season and this time. I, I, I tell you what, God is moving in a way that we haven't seen in the earth today and celebrate the fact that you're on the winning team you're in the one who has all the victory amen Christ is I mean you turn on the news and you get depressed at like Mach 3 speed what are we going to do trust in the Lord he's doing amazing things in the earth tune into the report of the Lord amen Let's all stand. So as we close this morning, there were a couple things that I really felt like the Lord wanted to uh, minister this morning. And uh, I, think, I think it's quite possible that many of us or been, been in a fight dealing with doubts, false shame, or confusion. Confusion about go left, go right. Confusion about the future. Doubts about the future. Doubts about your life. I think, I think and also too, I mean, religious shame those things where you go, man, God, I'm just not enough. You know what the truth is? We're never enough. <laughs> not ever. <laughs> but him and me, him and you, more than enough. More than enough. And what I feel like what the Lord is wanting to do this morning is deal with some of these doubts and shame and confusion. These doubts, shame and confusion, you know what they do? They just put us into a corner. And you know what the Lord would say over you? Nobody puts baby in a corner. <laughs> I'm half serious, right? Those things want to put you in a corner and limit your life. And think those, man, those doubts, those words are so powerful. 
but just as Nehemiah prayed a prayer and it shifted the whole atmosphere and all of a sudden the people had a mind to work, I think the same thing can happen this morning. Amen. God's word is real. It's true. That a simple prayer can annihilate those things and create a clarity of mind. Anybody game for that today? Dealing with some shame, doubt, confusion, or whatever, or just want some clarity? Okay, let's just bow our heads. And if, and, if I'm, and if I'm talking to you, get, I just encourage you. This is a posture of receiving. Just hold your hands open before the Lord. And so, Lord, I declare over your people now a breaking of that demonic doubt, that tormenting doubt. Those doubts that question, make us question about our future, that makes us question about our life, that makes us question whether or not you're going to be there if we fall. All of those doubts, Lord, I just ask God now that those things be broken. In the name of Jesus, every bit of those doubts, Lord, let, let, just like a weight coming off of your shoulders, well, may the weight of that doubt just come off of you. Thank you, Lord. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, Lord, this place of shame that makes us want to hide, that makes us want to recluse. And I just say, be free. Be free right now. Shame leave and be free. Come and stand in the light that God has ordained for you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Well, I tell you what, those things which cause shame, the Lord says, I will wash you in a moment. I'm going to wash you in a moment. You'll stand in freedom. Just hand that off to the Lord right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, for this confusion thing, the restless mind and the restless heart, the restless mind and the restless heart, Lord Jesus, I come against, Lord, just confusion, Lord, right now. Now, Lord, where there's confusion, Lord, your word says that you are the God of peace. And so, Lord, just let a divine exchange come, Lord. Let confusion go out and let the peace of the Lord rest on the minds and hearts of your people. In the mighty name of Jesus. Confusion, leave peace, come. Just say this with me, Lord Jesus, I receive your peace. Oh man, thank you, Lord. We love you, King Jesus. Love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. Thank you for your peace, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Oh, just tell him how much you love him right now. Oh, we love you, King Jesus. We love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And I live my Lord. 
So, Father, just over, over marriages, over biblical foundations, Lord, over parenting, over kids, Lord. Whatever area that is for you this morning, I just want you to lift that to the Lord. And just say, Lord, I, want, I, need, I need grace and momentum to build right here in this area. Thank you, Lord. And so, Father, just loose, God, right now, grace and momentum to build with you, to build what you are building, God. Or just loose the power of your spirit, Lord, to build what you are building, Lord. I pray, Father, for encouragement, Lord. Lord, wherever, whenever those places, Lord, where it feels like those stones have been burned and it doesn't look like it can live, Lord, we just speak over those stones, Lord. Live in the name of Jesus. Live. Lord, give us grace to build with you. Thank you, King Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's in your name that we pray today. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and ask our...